Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. All right, welcome back to the second hour of the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPNTucson.com and uh, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with me is my old buddy, is Mr. Jim Mooney, Frontier Towing, and we're talking shop. We're talking anything you want to talk about, actually, as long as it has four wheels on it or two. Well, I'm not too good at motorcycles, uh, but four wheels. Diesels, cars, um, runnability issues, uh, and I'm sitting here. I don't have a computer in front of me, so everything that I have to regurgitate is coming out of my head. And sometimes I question what comes out of my head, and I will actually go check it out. And uh, that that leads to another little thing. Uh, I had a my brother called me this past week and he's working on his buddy's vehicle said you know we have this little issue and it brought me back right back to the caller that i had last week and he was talking about um it was tom on the fuel pressure on a 3.8 uh 2003 that's what triggered it this little what s10 is 2002 and he had a runnability issue. You know, he, he didn't really have a, a lot of power. And when he first started it, it was slow to start. It, it'd crank and crank and crank and crank. And then it would finally take off. And he also had pretty much done the same thing that Tom did. He had checked everything out. And so he takes it up to my brother, who's a retired engineer that can figure out anything if you give him enough time to research it. And then he'll take off on it and actually fix it. And so he called me and he said, okay, this is the issue we have. And it was a hard start. And he said, it's got 125,000 miles on it. And I said, okay. And uh, he said, he's done change. He's changed the air filter on it. It's good. And um, he said, when he opened the hood, it was obvious that it wasn't well-maintained. And I said, okay. But it had no codes. It didn't have any missing the cylinders or anything like that. I said, okay, so he's probably secondary ignition is still working. Uh, vacuum leaks. My brother checked it for vacuum leaks. He's good there. And uh, so, and I asked him, I said, did you uh, clean the mass airflow, the mass air sensors, which is the piano wire that I was talking to Tom about last week? And um, he said, yeah, they cleaned it. I said, did you clean it good? Or did you just shoot it one time and then, you know, walk away from it? And so I told him, take a just a, a clean piece of paper, 
you know, like a paper towel, white paper towel. I don't care if you use toilet paper as long as you get all the parts out. And just wipe down that little wire and just very lightly, don't break the wire, and just wipe it down and see what you've got. And um, then if it's if it still has a film on it, that means it's not clean. That means you need to go back to the store. And in Tucson, we'd go to Merle's, but back there, they just go to whatever's available and get the math sensor cleaner and then spray it in there. Follow the instructions, spray it in there, give it a chance to work. And let's see how that thing, call me when you uh, doctor it and give it about 10, 15 minutes and then give me a shout. Let me know how it starts. And so he called back and he said immediately, it's probably down to about half time on that. I said, okay. And you have checked the air filter. It's clean. Life is good. Yep. Check the fuel filter. Yep. Replace the fuel filter. Still has that same, same delay. I said, okay, I want you to check the catalytic converter. Well, my brother just built a garage and put this nice big rack in it. He's so proud of it. He had he put that little S10 up on there, and he's checking all of this. I said, take your electronic uh, heat sensor and put it on the catalytic converter and tell me what the readings are. He come back about <coughs> five minutes later. He said, well, it was 128, 156 degrees going in. And it was like 90 coming out. I'm going, that that doesn't sound right. I said, run it about 10 minutes, make sure the cat's fired off. You should have something around 300 or 300 plus degrees going in. And it should be at least a minimum of 100 degrees extra coming out of that catalytic converter. Well, it had 353 degrees going in. My memory serves me right don't hold me to it. Probably not. But that was what was going in. And coming out was now 75. So I'm going, how did you get the other one? I don't know, but this is what it's doing now. I said, you got a plug cat. And he says, oh. And he says, well, why would that make it hard to start? Because it's trying to breathe and it can't. It needs to go down. So that catalytic converter is probably the rest of your little starting problem on that. But since you're only 2,200 miles away, it's kind of hard for me to verify it. So you're just going to have to use common sense that you've got and tell me what the numbers are. But until you get that number, about 125 degrees to 150, and if you've got a good catalytic converter, you can see that thing up to around 400, 500, 600 after you change it. And it fires off and it's working like it's supposed to. But the catalytic converter, if it's that bad, it's probably plugged up. And if it's plugged up, it's not going to breathe. And I said, he's not a hot rodder, so he's driving that little V6, and it's a 3.8. He's driving that little V6, and he probably doesn't run it long enough since it's got virtually no miles on it for as many years as he's been driving. Um that's probably going to be the problem. And so the last thing I got was they were going down to the store to get a catalytic converter to put on it. And they said, we'll call you as soon as they get that completed, but it won't be till Monday. So I'm waiting on the results on that. So hopefully Tom got his fixed. I don't know. But uh, once they took it, now this is the second time they've cleaned that mass airflow center. But evidently they got in a hurry the first time. 
But now uh, it seems to be working fine. So most of the time when you have a vehicle that you haven't maintained as much as Parker Automotive or Simmons or Brian Fuller will tell you it needs to be uh, taken care of, you're going to have not one problem. It'll be two or three, but there'll be overlaid. You think, okay, I got it. It's a mass airflow sensor. No, clean it first. You've got to find it before you fix it. So give it a chance to come back into specs, clean it off, let it start monitor. And they said it took out 50% of the time it took to start it, just by cleaning it, letting it set for a few minutes, and then firing it up. When you first put that spray on there, it's got to dry a little bit. So give it a chance to dry a little bit, and then you'll see it on the instructions. Then you fire it off, and then also you've got to remember that it's got some of the debris still in on that that'll have to clear off, and then it should be running a lot smoother, or it should fire up a lot easier. So, And that's what happened. So hopefully Tom got his fix from last, last week. Tom, if you're out there, give us a call back and let me, give me an update on what you did and what you've come up with. Um, but when you've got combination problems on cars uh, and they're intermittent, which means they don't show up all the time. They're the hardest ones in the world, not just a nation, not just Tucson or not just the U.S. of A. They're the hardest ones in the world to fix because they're intermittent. And most of the time when you have an intermittent problem, they don't, they don't do it all the time. That's the reason it's called intermittent. They are a booger. I have heard garages tell them when it does it, shut the thing off, have it towed in, and then we'll give it a shot. Or you can leave it here until we can get it to do it. And, you know, and you'll have a vehicle two or three days before it'll ever even start to act up again. I kept one uh, Chevrolet for two weeks with me driving that thing and trying to make it do the exact same thing that the customer was saying. He come to pick it up. He and I took that thing out for a 40-mile test drive. We pulled it off the side of the road, shut it off. Turn it back on. It fired every time. This is no lie. This is absolutely the gospel as I know it. He drove that vehicle after he dropped me back off from the shop. He went to a Circle K, got a big gulp, walked back out. That vehicle wouldn't start. After me and him, 40-mile test drive, start it and stop it, start it and stop it. Took it back in. And said, okay, this is, this is getting to be sad. This is a few years, this is probably about 10 years ago. And I said, there ain't but one thing left to do, and that's a motor vac and clean all of the injectors, clean everything, clean the fuel delivery system internally in the engine. What we found out, the injectors were dirty. And when you shut it off, it's called a hot soak. The, Fuel that was leaking out of the bottom of it would crust over. So when you'd get ready to start it, the actual fuel pressure was responsible for blowing the injectors open. And sometimes it, it just wouldn't start. I mean, it'd take 10 minutes before you could, uh, constantly trying before you could ever get it to start off. And that was his original problem coming in. Well, he had other problems going along with that, but in before we jumped into it, it had to do it for me. 
And I think probably what I was doing is I was starting it too early and not allowing it to sit there and cool down to get that hot soap covered the injector pentals. And when we motor vac that son of a gun, it cleaned that fuel delivery system. That truck fired up, run perfect. He never had the problem again. So when you people, when you're here talking about the carbon cleaning, that's part of a, a motor vac's job. And a motor vac is a system. It hooks up to a machine and that cleans the fuel delivery system. We back it up by putting a can of 44K in the gas tank in order to do a slow clean out of the gas tank to try to clean up the gasoline and the lines before it gets up to the, or push it, maybe the filters will catch it before it plugs up the injectors again. So when we're talking motor vac, that is a fuel delivery system cleaner. Parker's got them. Brian Fuller's got them at Automotive Specialists, and Simmons has got these machines. And probably the shop that you're actually using now has the motorbike machine. Carbon cleaning is really critical. If you have a gas direct injection system, you are going to build carbon. I don't care what kind of fuel delivery system you have on a vehicle. The byproduct is going to be carbon. Soft carbon turns into hard carbon. Hard carbon is where you start having the, the hot spots in the engine and a little bit of extra idle after you shut it down and stuff like this. So be sure to keep your fuel delivery system clean. On the Echo Boost, Echo Boost builds at seventy. Uh, well, uh, well, ours built at about six thousand. We already had carbon deposits in there at six thousand miles on a vehicle, and we verified this because we stuck a, a camera down inside the cylinders to see what we had going on, and we stuck a camera back down in the back of the intake to see what was going on, and we could see it. We did a, a complete motor vac on that vehicle. And it cleaned it right off via camera. We could see it on the monitor when we went back in to check to see how well that stuff had worked. So for the ones of you out there running around, if you don't believe in fuel conditioning, uh, one, if you got a new car, you need to read your owner's manual because it said every oil service put a bottle of, and it'll be their brand, a fuel conditioner in this, in these late model cars. They know that the soft carbons are building on it. There is no way to get rid of soft carbons unless you break it down and send it through the system. That's the only way you can get rid of that stuff. With the gas direct injectant, you don't, you can't even put it in a gasoline tank and expect it to get to the back of the valves. You actually, you actually have to go in and fog the intake. It's a spray foam. It goes inside and it gets down in the intake. It goes to the back of the valves. And that's how you clean the back of the valves on a gas direct motor. Uh, so you've been driving this car. You got 60, 70, 80,000 miles on it. You say, boy, nothing happens to this car. This thing starts every time, all time. Good. When you, the first thing you're going to notice with build up carbon and soft carbons is when you start to fire it up in the morning. You will have a little rough idle for probably a second or two after you start it. It'll be just a rough idle, and you go, wow, that's different. And so you think, well, it started up, and then later on during the day, it just runs perfect. I mean, it just runs good, you know, as long as that engine's warmed up, and you don't have to put brand-new gas in for the soft carbon to suck up the gas fumes that's been put in the engine to start the engine. The soft carbon sucks it up. 
and you don't have enough left to start the motor. So when you do get the motor started, it's working on, okay, we finally got almost enough to make it run smooth, so here it is. And that's, that's the symptom, the first symptoms. And so, and I've done that for, I don't know how many years, too many. And that seems to always be, oh, by the way, Jerry, you've got to have a carbon cleaned off this thing. Or by the way, Jerry, I don't think you're following your own advice and putting uh, gasoline treatment in these vehicles about once every third tank. And, you know, that way, uh, it, it, it will not stop the soft carbons from coming in. It will prolong how long it is before you're going to have to have these things professionally cleaned. And most time people say, Oh, it's got a hundred thousand mile warranty on it. I don't have to worry about it. No, you don't. The next guy that buys that thing with 101,000 on it does, or you've been driving it so long. You don't realize that your fuel economy has gone down. You better pay attention to the fuel economy now because of the price of fuel, but it doesn't need it. Want to bet? Don't bet with somebody that's got a motor vac machine that tells you, by the way, I really think you need to have the carbon cleaned off of this because all your spark plugs are new, your secondary ignition system is new, and you still got a rough start when you're fired up. When you hear that, that means that you've got soft carbons and carbon build up inside that engine, and it needs to be professionally cleaned and got out of. Sticking a little can with an injector to the intake manifold, will not get it at that point. You're going to have to have professional clean where it goes on and it runs on nothing but cleaner fluid on a machine and it circulates. It cleans the lines out that your supply lines, which is your gasoline lines. It cleans the injectors. It cleans the soft carbons and it works on the hard carbons. And then when you get done, you'll notice the difference in the way that thing is running. Because what you're doing is taking it back to factory specifications. If it don't run perfect when you get it back there, that means that you probably still got some hard carbons in because it hadn't been serviced in the last 80,000 miles or 60,000 miles. The key is to try to keep the soft carbons from turning into hard carbons. Because hard, hard carbons, once again, sitting on top of the piston is just carbon. They will actually have enough heat from that hot spot on the piston to cause a pre-ignition. In other words, you shut it off, and then any fuels laying in there is going to ignite again because it didn't really shut off. You still got that hot spot on top of the piston. And that's as best as I can explain this uh, carbon removal to you. You got anything you want to add to that, Mr. Jimbo? I I think you got it covered. I You know, I've I meant to ask you, did did you cover um, checking the exhaust with the vacuum gauge? I'm going to go with that was a no. Oh, as far as checking the catalytic converter? Yeah, checking to make sure, you know, we, you say you can plug converter. Sometimes it's hard to tell. You can use a vacuum gauge to see if, if you got a Yeah, you can exhaust. use a vacuum gauge. Uh, where do you put, put the vacuum gauge? Put it on your intake manifold. And then you check your and and rev it up a little bit. Ho- hopefully it'll rev up if it's not too plugged. But um, mm-hmm. if it's sitting around, what's about twenty inches, eighteen to twenty, mm-hmm. I think is what what they normally run. Um, after 18, after 21. you rev it up and let let it idle, 
And then if the exhaust is plugged, at least this is the way we used to do it years ago, um, it, it'll, so, mm-hmm. it'll slowly start to bleed off. It'll start to go. It'll start to drop to zero because, like you said, the car can't breathe. It can't get the air out, so the vacuum reduces. Did I get that right? Well, yes, you can do that. I've seen people where they actually drill a hole in the exhaust, uh, the header pipe going down to the cat, and then they'll check it there. And uh, but I just the quickest way that I know that was before we come out with all the heat things. Uh, when you put electronic uh, laser on that thing, and you've got, uh, like my brother did, and it, it goes into that, and then when you come out and it is still cold, that means the catalytic converter should be hot. It's hot going in, and it's like putting wood and an old wood-bellied stove. Of course, most people don't know what that is. I hope enough of you do to understand <laughs> my my follow and be able to follow me on this. The more wood you put in a stove, the hotter the stove's going to get, the more the stove is going to emit hot air. Now, when you put raw gas, which is what the catalytic converter is dealing with, you put raw gas in the front of that converter, it only has two choices. Burn it, or if it's too much fuel going in it, it will burn part of it, and the rest of it's going to act like a, a block. It just goes in and attaches to the substrates inside the cat. So then you have, you're starting to build a backup and then you'll run it. And then as you drive it over the years, it starts getting worse and worse and worse. You start losing power. You don't even realize you're losing power because it's so gradual. You're getting used to it. And there, there lies the problem. So, and some of these uh, converters on these cars, uh, Ford at one time had four, and I haven't counted them lately, but I thought four was actually plenty, and uh, especially when you get ready to replace them with OEM parts, get ready with about $3,000. So, keep them, keep them clean, keep them, and uh, if a oxygen sensor on the catalytic converter, you have one in front, you have one in back. Just because an oxygen sensor starts reading erratic doesn't mean it's the oxygen sensor. It's doing its job. It's just reporting what's coming in. Do I not have enough airflow coming through the engine? Uh, do I have too much gasoline? And normally, if you don't have airflow going through the engine, it's going to be an increase in fuel delivery. And then it's going to say, oh, the O2 sends that. It said, wow, we got way too much fuel coming in, so I'm going to take it back to a lean. So if the O2 sensor goes to a lean, you need to find out why it went to lean. An O2 sensor, when it fails or is out of parameters, will fail to the lean side because it's trying to shut off the massive amount of gas that you've got coming through because you've got a dead cylinder a bad spark plug or something that's sending way too much fuel into the catalytic converter. So before you go out and buy that O2 sensor and just put, oh, it's O2 sensor, because it'll slow it, it'll show an O2 sensor code. Find out why it's showing an O2 sensor. Check your tune-up, which is check your tune for spark plugs. Uh, check the, uh, pull them out and look at them. Because if you've got a bad spark plug that you've, you've just put in there and you're running about two weeks and all of a sudden it's coated up again, 
find that spark plug and then find out what the problem is because that's going to be what's actually taking out your catalytic converter. We've seen people go buy catalytic converters. They go to a muffler shop. I need a catalytic converter. Okay, you go into a muffler shop, you order a catalytic converter, you're going to get a catalytic converter. You put a catalytic converter on. 30 days later, you go back to the same muffler shop and say, oh, this catalytic converter is not working. And you go in. Catalytic converters will last a long time as long as the engine's tuned. Like they're guaranteed from a manufacturer for 100,000 miles. So if it goes out premature, you can bet your hind end that something else is wrong with that car. Don't stick your head in the sand. Look for the problem. And when you get ready to buy a catalytic converter, they're no longer inexpensive. So you want to do diligence and make sure that you're replacing something that needs replaced and find out why it actually needs replaced. Did you probably screw up that catalytic converter that's in there for 30 days with the same problem that caused the first one to go out? Yep. Uh, why uh, people in muffler shops actually warranty these cats and put you another one in, and then 30 days later you're already mad, so you take it into a garage to find out what's going on with the engine, and then they find the cause of the actual, by fixing the engine, it fixed the problem with the catalytic converter. So now you think the muffler shop has lost their mind, and the independents are just, we're, we're just the greatest guys in the world because we found out the problem. That's because we live with what we do. If we put a uh, catalytic converter on there, you can bet your hind end. We've already checked to find out that everything else feeding that catalytic converter is the way it's supposed to be. And uh, that way you don't have these problems. Uh, there was here selling O2 sensors. You run into a shop, it said O2 code, I need O2 sensor, you put it on. 100 miles later or 100 foot later, you've got a catalytic, you've got an O2 sensor code set again. <coughs> Now you start scratching your head. You go back to the place you bought that O2 sensor. It's no good. And they give you another one. They don't argue with you. They just give you another one. One of the largest lawsuits that I knew of was a Class A store, which is your little uh, Class A change, got sued for O2 sensors. And it was a class action suit. Because they read the codes. It did say O2. They showed you what the codes read because that's all they know to do. It said O2. Why wouldn't you buy an O2 if you don't know any better? That's the only reason. It's lack of knowledge. It's ignorance. Lack of knowledge. Find out why the O2 sensor died. In the early years, they still had these different sealants that you could change a... Um, you can change a gasket on a vehicle. And if you'll notice, the sealant that you use on those gaskets, some of them would take an O2 sensor out. And so then you begin to see O2 sensor safe. That's the ones you had to use with the O2 sensor. That wasn't something that the industry just come up with to sell you more O2 sensors. That's because they didn't know that the uh, what you were doing to your vehicle, you just said you had an O2 sensor out, but you had changed a gasket or something on there using the wrong sealant. The O2 sensor picked it up as it come through the jet stream, which is your exhaust, and it plugged up the O2 sensor, and therefore you buy an O2 sensors. So be careful what you do. 
do a little research on it before. Find it and then fix it. You know, as Brian Fuller would say at Automotive Specialist, <laughs> test first, don't guess. And with these later model cars, it's very, very uh, sensitive, and you will have to make sure of the stuff you're using. That old can of uh, or tube of sealant that you had laying on the bench for, or laying up in the cabinet or your toolbox for 10 years, 15 years, that you say, oh, I've, I've got that here. I don't have to go buy any. Good for me. I don't have to make a trip down to Merle's to get anything. And here you go. Then you turn around, you look, and you go, huh. Well, that's the reason you're saying, huh. It's the wrong sealant. It's that simple. But it's not simple unless you've had your butt kicks like most of the independent garages have. And then you find out, even before they put the warning labels on them, that that, that was the only common denominator. You pull it out, you clean it off, you put different sealant on it. Um, this time you look at it, it says, uh, okay, safe for O2 sensors. Okay, you put that on there, life is good, problem goes away. All right, that's all I got to say about the O2 sensors and what you've got going down. As far as the catalytic converters, catalytic converters, remember, they're guaranteed for 100,000 miles or five years. Okay, so... If you drive your car, you got a 10-year-old car and your catalytic converter goes out and you got 90,000 miles on it, I don't know if they're going to replace it. Don't know. You'll have to try them and find out. And you, they say, well, you got a, I got 100,000 miles on it. Well, the federal government says you got 100,000 miles on it, but if you read the fine print, it probably taxes in there with a 5,000 or a five-year uh, time frame on it. So be careful and don't assume. Check it first. Don't guess. Test first. Don't guess. Oh, speaking of that, uh, automotive specialist, Brian Fuller, you know, talking about Brian Fuller. I, I don't use his name in vain because he's got an excellent shop. Brian Fuller, 3611 West Ina Road, Suite 101, Meredith and Ina, and the Bookman's Plaza, 572-1734. That's, you'll get to talk to Mitch at 572-1734. If you want Brian, call him with at 237 38 3852. Uh, one of, he, you can Google him. It's test first on guest and it'll show Brian Fuller. Um, he's, he's got an excellent shop on the west side of Tucson. AutomotiveSpecialistAZ.com. Online scheduling. You can go on there. You can find out more about his shop. You can see his operation. Excellent website. AutomotiveSpecialistAZ.com. Dot com, And, you, you know, you can get that uh, service. You can get anything done to your vehicle you want. He does engines. He does transmissions. He does differentials. He does the full gamut. And I said all that to say all this. He's got one of the big old fancy alignment machines, too, state-of-the-art equipment and alignment and diagnostic equipment. And he's not really afraid of anything on a vehicle. He owns a Corvette. He can't be afraid of much. Um, no, his wife owns a Corvette. I'm sorry. He drives a diesel truck and he loves his truck. He said, if I get ready to go buy a new truck, I'm going to take it down to Spectrum and have it painted white. <laughs> it's black now. He's going to paint it white and that'll be his new vehicle. That's how much he loves his diesel, but he takes care of it. A uh, little hint for you diesels. You know, I had one call yesterday from North Carolina on a Dodge six-cylinder diesel. And he's not going to tow a thing. He's, I know him. He's going to use it as a grocery getter. 
And I said, have you done the research on all this now to find out the difference in price? Uh, he said, well, I like the fuel economy. I said, yeah, if the fuel economy is the only reason you're buying this diesel, I suggest you take another look at it because at today's fuel prices and the difference in the price of a gas truck and a diesel truck, uh, you'll drive it 150,000 miles at the bottom end before you'll ever start realizing the difference between the price of a diesel mileage and the price of fuel, uh, uh, gasoline mileage. So if you're buying one of these late model things just to go grocery, I don't recommend that. I don't recommend that at all. Because the diesel, there is no cheating on the maintenance on those. You cheat on the maintenance on a diesel and you're going to pay out the nose for it. They're more expensive to maintain because the amount of fluid that they actually take. So be careful when you're doing that. Do your homework. Do the math. Historically, regular gas has been lower. Well, not not too long. Used to fuel was lower than regular gas, but since we created a demand for it in 2003 by half the country buying uh, small trucks, uh, three quarter tons and one tons, we're getting diesels in it. We actually created a market for diesel fuel, and it started just rocketing up. Now, if you're fortunate, you don't live in California. Uh, then you don't have to pay $4.50 a gallon for diesel fuel over there. But you will pay $3.40 a gallon in Tucson, Arizona, as recently as two days ago. So just when you're buying, buy smart. Figure out what you're going to do with this brand-new vehicle. Oh, by the way, he was buying a uh, a Dodge 1500 Series Desert Package. I'd never even heard of it. He finally found one in Tucson. That's the reason he's calling me. And... That's a seventy. That's a seventy thousand dollar half ton truck. And I said, "Whoa!" So to each his own. You got it. You want it? Go buy it. But I'm just trying to tell you: be sure you check out and buy it for the right reasons. All right, we got a caller on the phone. What do we got? Who we got? Uh, we got Emilio on line one. Good morning, Emilio. Dirty. Good morning. Welcome to hey, the listen, show. Listen, you've been that. You've been yelling all these numbers out with, uh, uh, I don't know if it's today, this week, or next week, but uh, if you don't add the 520, they're not going to get through. they got that new 988 for the people that are on drugs or something. You heard about that? Uh-uh. Yeah, that, you, you that 988 number, I guess it, uh, people that are, uh, you know, something gets there quicker or something. So we have to add the 520. To the regular numbers, uh, I think it starts either today, this week, or next week. But uh, thought you might tell your you know, since you're giving Brian's number and your number and all that, they got to add the 520 before they call. Before the call can get through, maybe uh, your buddy there knows about it. He knows everything. Yeah. Hey Jim, have you heard about this 520 regulation? I have not. I haven't either. Keep going, Emilio. You're doing fine. What is it? <laughs> well, it's uh, they added that 988 is for people, I guess, that are on drugs or something, and they're having a drug attack or something, and it's supposed to get. It doesn't tie up. It, it, it goes right to them because you're, we're using the 520. It puts more more uh, stuff on us so they can get quicker to the people that are on problems. You know. 
It'll come out. Oh, I think it. Okay. I think it comes out today or next week, next Sunday. I guess you'll hear about it by then. Well, I'm going to go ahead and write it down. So as soon as I hear about it, I'll research it as far as the information they've got, and then I'll bring it back to the program. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I didn't even. I, I am not familiar with either one of those numbers. Anybody out there, seven one nine fourteen ninety, that knows about this nine eighty eight or five twenty, give us a call down here and shed some light on it because I'm at a total. I have no clue. <laughs> and anytime you can stump me or Jim, uh, <clears throat> well, I guess we're going to have to do some more homework, Jim. Hey, hey uh, I was going to ask you a question, Jerry. Yes, whether I got you on the line? I've been messed up with my knee. I had a knee operation, and it, I guess it. Doctor said it failed, so I'm going to have to do it over again. And my truck's been sitting out there since yeah. June without starting. What uh, when I get going to get ready to start it? What do I have to do? Get a motor back or something on it? What have what? you got? What what have you got? 2005 uh, F-150 V8. F-150. I haven't been started since June. That's that's not really a big problem. Uh, You know, uh, go out and start. Well, the battery might be a little low, so, you know, uh, if you've got any way to check the charge on the battery, uh, go ahead and check it, and then if it needs to be charged up, just put a... A charger on it, leave it overnight, and you should be back up to full because they will lose uh, in June, July. June, July. Yeah, they're going to start to get cold. Well, they haven't got cold yet, but. Yeah. Okay, Jerry. Yeah, but you've already. God bless, sir. All right, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate you calling, Emilio. Uh, Wow. I I didn't know that. Uh, Wow. Anyway. So if anybody out there knows what a 988 is and a, a 520 regulation, uh, give us a call down here, uh, 719-1490, 719-1490. Uh, if you're looking for a used vehicle or a pre-owned vehicle, you might want to give uh, uh, Lens Auto Brokers. Give Lens Auto Brokers a uh, uh, lensautobrokerage.com, lensautobrokerage.com. Or if you're looking for an RV, go to uh, DesertRV.com. It's still part of uh, Lynn, same owner. And uh, you can shop for an RV. RVs right now, I guess, they used RV at a premium price like everything else is used. And But if you're needing a good vehicle, you can see go to LensAutoBrokerage.com, go to the website. They've got all their inventory listed on it. And the same way at Desert RV Center. I visited both sites recently, and I've seen what they had on both sites. Easy to negotiate, and that'll save you some time to give you an idea of what you're looking for. And if you find one that you like down at Lens Auto Brokers at 2101 North Stone Avenue and you want to go kick a tire and drive it, then go down there. They open um, Monday through Saturday, and Saturday they close a little early. I think they try to get out at 4 o'clock, but normally it's uh, 8 o'clock till uh, 8. And somebody's told me, or maybe it may be 9 o'clock. They used to open at 8 to 6. I think it may have went to 9. All right, we got another caller on. Who we got? Uh, we got uh, Leon, I think, on line one. All hey. right, let's go to Leon. Leon, good hey. morning. Good morning. Hey, I know about that 988 and the 520. Keep talking. That You're doing fine. Is, uh, 
Uh, the 988 is for the Americans in crisis thing. It's for, like, suicide hotline things. And the 520 is our area code. And it's uh, because some of our, some of the seven digits start with, like, 987 or 986. And, and, it, and they want the right. uh, 520 on it for the, to, so you, so that. The 988 doesn't automatically call in. Okay. All right. Uh, so you're doing uh, 520. When does that take effect? Do you know? I can't remember. I did hear about this. It's either end of this month or the beginning of November. Okay. I think you're right there. I think it was October 31. Um, but the 520, now I understand what we're talking about. Uh, that's the prefix yeah. on it. And they said that now you will have to start diving, uh, dialing 520, then 719-1490. Yeah, so I've already got would, all my that phone numbers you in the area. like that. Yeah, so you don't have to, yeah. so you still got them on speed dial, huh? Yep. Well, good. Thank you, Leon, for this clearing it up. I appreciate that, man. No problem. But I'll, I appreciate it. You have a good weekend, buddy. You know of any car shows going on today? Nope. Last one I knew about was the one over at St. Gregory's last week. Did you go to that? No, I'm I'm on my way home from, from work. I, I sleep during the day. Oh, I'm one of those okay. weirdos who works overnight. <laughs> well, no, that's, that's normally that's supposed to be the good shift because you don't have all the big bosses hanging around. You can actually get stuff done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be in the military police. I used to pray for midnight shifts. So, all right. Thank you much, Leon. Appreciate the call, buddy. 719-1490, 719-1490, I'm telling you, the information's out there. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, we got George online got? one this time. All right, George, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Um, looking at a report from KVOA News this morning regarding this change in uh, telephone prefects, and yeah. it says here that if you have a 520, 480, or 928 area code, get ready to dial all 10 numbers. The change kicks in Sunday. Phone users in Tucson and elsewhere in Arizona will need to dial the area code to make local call. If you don't, your call might not go through. This comes after okay. Federal Communication Commission approved 988 as a three-digit dial code to reach National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which starts in July of next year. So it looks like they're trying to get us in the habit of using the three-digit 520 for our local calls before this goes into effect this coming summer. Perfect. All right, now I got the 480 and a 520. What was that third uh, prefix? Nine, nine, 928 is the third one they list. Okay. And I believe that's so, a lot of Phoenix and Flagstaff okay. use 928. 
But they're going, yeah, and they're going to have to dial all 10 digits. Now, in Tucson, if I right. make a call to the radio station, I'm going to have to dial 520. Yes, sir. 719-1490, right? 14. Okay. Yes, sir. Well, we understand exactly then. Yeah. Thank you uh-huh. very much. Appreciate yeah. that, George. Sure. You're welcome. One other thing, if I may? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you've been um, announcing car shows. Uh, do you... You take mm-hmm. information on uh, motorcycle shows. Yeah. Any, anything one... going on the motor. Okay. Great. What there's have you got going? Motorcycle show, motorcycle show next Sunday. That's the 31st of October. It's being uh, sponsored and set up by the 520 Moto Alliance. And it'll be at the Gardens, which is Sabino Canyon, or I'm sorry, Bear Canyon and Tankaverde Road. And it starts at 11 o'clock on the 31st. At Bear, Can- Bear Canyon Plaza? Yes, and there's a, a restaurant there, the, the gardens, right off of Bear Canyon. Yeah. And an intersection there with Tanka Verde. <clears throat> so, yeah, All right, going start on time the, is uh, when? 11 a.m. What time to start? 11 a.m. All right. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. All right. Well, okay. you just put it out, and and we'll see if we can hit it for you next Saturday to get it sure. produced for next Sunday. All right. But sure. it is on a Sunday, correct? Yes, sir. All right, buddy. That's right. Thank you much. Okay. Appreciate it, George. You're welcome. Okay. All right. Have a good one. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Right. Uh-huh. All right, Jim, that means that you can take your tow truck over there. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Parker Automotive. Parker Automotive Service Center. I'm here watching the clock, and it seems like I've been doing most of the talking here. So you can jump in anytime you want to, Jim. Parker Automotive Service Center, 5101 East Speedway. Uh, that's, that's another premium shop in Tucson. It's just a premium shop in Tucson. And their phone number over there is 323-1960, 323-1960. And you can get a hold of Ryan or Scott. And you can also go to their website, which is parkerautoaz.com. Parkerautoaz.com. And they have pickup and delivery. They have uh, shuttle service. Uh, they have the state-of-the-art uh, alignment equipment. And not that we need alignment equipment, but I think I hit every little pothole that they had after the rain. Uh, it seemed like we had a growth of potholes in addition to grass growing in the yard. My yard looked like a cow pasture when I got back from North Carolina. But um, you can uh, you can navigate, easy to navigate, beautiful location, 5101 East Speedway, 323-1960, Parker Automotive. Um and don't forget about automotive specialists over on the west side. Brian does a brilliant job over there. Parker does a brilliant job. Simmons has got the high-tech uh, front-end alignment equipment also. So you, you've got your choice on different parts of Tucson to get a good alignment because it's all computerized. And the 
uh, they just it, it'll get it done the way it's supposed to be done. Merrill's got a machine shop at 15 West Aho Machine Shop Service on the weekends, 572-1734, 572-1734. Merrill's Auto has 10 locations in Tucson, uh, maybe 11. Uh, Merrill'sAuto.com is where you'll go to find your, the shop or the store closest to you. Good quality people, um, knowledgeable counter people. They'll help you track stuff. If you can point and grunt, they'll pull up the, the schematic for you, and you can tell them, show them what you're looking for. That always works. And me, I don't have very much luck with anything, so when I've got a part in my hand, I take it with me, put it in a, a bag, or wrap it up in a towel so it don't get grease all over the interior of my truck. And um, that's how I get it done, and it seems to work out pretty good. Of course, there's another place that uh, works out pretty well, and that's Frontier Towing. Frontier Towing, 748-1100. If it needs to be moved, they can probably move it. Frontier Towing, 748-1100. That would be Jim, who's on the other end of this phone right now. And uh, if you got any questions on towing or removing stuff from your yard or, you know, what's legal to move out, how, how long do you have to keep it or any of that stuff, anything that has to do with towing, this is the guru of towing. He's probably out picking up something right now as he's talking on his headset to do the radio program. He can't stay still for one minute, so he's always on the road, and he's a wealth of information for towing and what can happen and the things that actually happen. So just stay tuned. He's a rocking and a rolling. Merrill's Auto's got shops out around um, Sierra Vista. They got them in Globe. Uh, they got them at uh, Maya Marinci, uh, Casa Grande, Green Valley, and they make uh, daily runs to the big warehouse. They've got foreign, domestic, and 18-wheeler parts at the big warehouse and most of these other stores. If not, they can have it to you in a few hours. So Merrill's Automotive. All right. 719-1490, we got about uh, probably six minutes, something like that. Uh, any questions you have on the car show going on today, for anybody just joining us, uh, give us a shout down here, 719-1490, on anything that you have for cars or motorcycle shows or anything like that. Appreciate the call uh, on the motorcycle show. They've got some fancy, fancy motorcycles in this town. I know I've seen them. If I wasn't so... Old, as I could say. I'd probably be driving one, but I'm going, uh, no, my reaction time don't need to be any slower than what it is. <laughs> that's why you don't show up. That's why you don't text to drive. That's why you don't text to drive, because you have no reaction time. <laughs> I can tell you for a fact that I can't see the phone without putting on glasses. So I, I can't text and drive because, well, I can't see the dang phone. All I can do is hit the button to answer my headset, and you're right. But I'm not driving at this exact moment in time. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, I, can't, I, I can't even try to even look at a phone because I can't, I can't see it. I, the one thing yeah. that age gives you is poor vision. <laughs> so, well, so a lot I, of I, us I'm, go I'm into a, readers. Oh, I have them. <laughs> Many pairs everywhere. A lot of us. Uh huh. 
I know you go buy you go to Costco and buy them in a package of four, and then you got them all over the house, and then you'll lose one. You go buy another package of four. First thing you wind up with is a selection of glasses laying all over the place. You stick about two or three pair in your pocket so that when you go out driving, you'll remember to leave a backup pair in the uh, truck. And um, then you got, of course, you got to have one in the car, and then you got to have one in the other car. And so, you know. There's a reason they sell them at packages of four. So, but right. yes, that makes a big difference. Big difference. Uh, I, I actually so have, you can't I, read, buy I have them stashed all so, over the place because you're, I get from vehicle to vehicle. So I, I have to remember to take them with me, two in a pocket. You're right. Cause I'll drop one. Uh, lucky for me, I'll step on it and break it. So there ain't nothing that mm-hmm. irritates you more than stepping on your readers and breaking them. So that now you're mm-hmm. trying to hold it up. You're trying to hold one glass on your eye and read something with the other one broke off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> getting old, wonderful. <laughs> well, getting old is not persistent. Let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> now, for the ones of you just joining us, and you missed the part about uh, you be driving. And I've heard this comment two or three times. How do police officers actually? read a computer while they're driving down the road without running over somebody. And they always seem to not get out of their lane. They don't vary their speed. And Jim covered that real good about the police training out at the uh, uh, training track that the police department has. And (coughs) on those training things, they throw everything at them. They throw everything at them as far as a distraction while they're actually driving in order to teach them how to use those computers and keep their minds on the road at the same time, which I thought it should be virtually impossible, but not if you practice all time on that and you know what you can look at and what you can't look at. You know what, how much time you can spend reading and how much time you can't. These guys practice so much, it's natural to them. It's a learned trait that they do this stuff with. And so I've heard people say, well, if I can't use my phone and text while I'm driving, why are the cops able to use their computers? Because they're trained. They use it. They do it all time. And some of these people texting text all time, too, and still can't drive worth of crap. And (laughs) so you're not a police officer and you don't spend it. What, Jim? I was going to say, well, even law enforcement, you know, just like you said, they pull over. I mean, they don't, they're not typing an essay on their, on their computer. You know, they're not typing a full conversation. And, and their computers have, you know, hotkeys. So, you know, if, if somebody sends them a dispatch, they can hit one button and it responds. You know, I'm on my way or whatever, right? They're not typing with right. their thumbs going, hey, oh, yeah, I forgot to pick up the milk at the grocery store. Can you go to Circle K and grab some? No, they're not texting that, guys. They're they're texting work information, and it's very short and abbreviated. Like shorthand yep. – um, well, they don't know what to use shorthand anymore, but a short and abbreviated conversation. Yeah. But when they have something – when they're writing a report, they're in a parking lot, just like you and me. They they pull over, too. They pull over and, and, and do it. They They know they can't concentrate – a hundred percent on on a, on a good report, and then and be driving down the road. They they look at their stuff so they can go from job to job. I mean, it's just it's just dispatching. Right. They they dispatch their job, and the guy responds, "Okay, I'm 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 five minutes away," or you know, it's, "I'm on the way." As you know, it's not 
It's not, you know, he looks at the screen to see what, what he's exactly. going to be facing. Exactly. You know, now, there's a little thing. There's an armed robbery. Yep. About uh, going back to the fuel prices. Now, the last time we had a gas price and everybody's brains fell out because, you know, you say, oh, you pull into a gas station. I can run this. And they were running alt fuels and vehicles that weren't designed for alt fuels with the alcohol in them. And so they're running E85 in it because it was actually cheaper. You cannot do that. When you go into a fuel station, you get the gasoline that is supposed to be for your vehicle. If you can run top tier, you're at a top tier fuel station, fine, get top tier. But don't run out of gas and sit on the side of the road and wait for Frontier to bring you a gallon of gas. That ain't going to happen. And uh, you do that, but d- be careful. Don't just pull a car in that is used to running on uh, regular fuel and then go to something that's running 80% alcohol. You don't do that because it will mess up the computer in it. It reads difference. It'll uh, set lights on your dash now. Uh, so make sure that your vehicle is set up to run E85. For you guys out there driving these big diesels, when it says you're approved in your 2018 to run 20% biofuel in there, it didn't say nothing about 100%. It said 20%. So you diesel owners, uh, most of you late model stuff, you'll see it right there. It says, yeah, your truck is, my diesel is, my Dodge is. And I can run 20% biofuel. And yet biofuel is not available every station, so you have to go down to a place that you can actually buy it. My place would be on West 22nd Street. Um but so just be careful in the fuels that you buy. If you can get your hands on top tier fuel, run it. Just remember, higher octane when a vehicle is designed to run on regular. There's a reason it's designed to run on regular. High octane, if your car says high octane, like a lot of Beamers, a lot of your Lexus and stuff like that says high octane, you have to run high octane in it or it will cause you problems later on down the road. High octane will cause you problems if you're running high octane in one that's designed to run on regular. So you don't need to put the high octane in it. It's not going to do anything. It'll probably harm you more than it will help you in the long run. Okay, because of the fuel on high octane burns slower in a cylinder than the regular gas does. And you've got to have high compression to run the high octane. All right, we're down. We're out of time, Jim. Thank you for being on, buddy. Appreciate the help this morning. Uh, you have Thanks a having, super, super safe Saturday. Super <laughs> safe Saturday. Until, all right, buddy. All right, until next week, God bless. Drive safe and don't text, please. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.